We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington. In the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 30, I'm going to take a few moments and in the month of November and early December, I, uh, I hit a lot of this on Wednesday nights, <clears throat> Wednesday nights to kind of prepare for where I felt like we were going in 2020 and beyond. Um, it's, it's wonderful to have a, a year-end or New Year re- resolution or have a direction of what you want to see happen in the uh, upcoming year, but I really believe that we're going to need to start thinking you know, more generationally, like I said a few moments ago, way beyond just one year. Uh, one year is a good start, but we need to be thinking five and 10 and 20 and, and 30 years uh, beyond. Uh, you think some of you are saying, well, I don't know if I'm going to be around that long, but really it's not the issue. The issue is while you're here, the decisions that we're making, the people you surround yourself with, uh, the investments of time and money and people that you put into, it needs to be in t- those things that are going to well beyond what you get out of it just today. Are you with me? It, you, we've got to become long-term thinking. Uh, I grew up in church where Jesus was coming back real quick and very quickly. And um, I thought he was, somebody had said in the church, he's, he'll, be, he'll be back before you graduate high school. And he didn't come. So I went ahead and graduated. And I had another one tell me he'll be back before you ever finish school, college. So he didn't come. So I went on to school, college. He'll be back before you have your first kid. I've had four. Not, not making it cheap that Jesus is not coming back because I believe one day he's returning. But you got to plan like he's never coming back, but live like he's coming back today. Okay? <clears throat> because we have, we have forfeited and robbed a generation of people of a future. Because we're always so short-term and are limited in our thinking. So we've got to think way beyond and well beyond where we are right now. Okay? The children of Israel had just come through the wilderness. They'd been there for 40 years. There was a transition of power that was about ready to happen, a transition of leadership. There was a leader that was named Moses that we're going to talk about here briefly. Uh, Many of you have known it. I preach a lot on Moses. He's one of my favorite guys in the Bible um, because he put up with a lot of stuff from people and went through a lot in himself. So Moses was transitioning out, and a new generation of leadership was coming in. And because those leadership that was coming in faced different types of people to lead. Moses led people that had come from Egypt. And Egypt were people that were used to being in slavery and used to being in bondage. So while they were in slavery and bondage in in Egypt, they had a certain mindset or a way of thinking while they were in that slavery position. They were used to building cities for, for Pharaoh. So they could live in homes, they could have businesses, they could work in businesses, they could have education, they could deal with architecture, they could deal with the, the, the things of the world or the, of the, of the world system of that day, but at the end of the day, it still was all belonging to Pharaoh. So they can move laterally, thinking they're getting ahead. They thought they had freedom in Egypt, but the freedom really was just an extended chain. They didn't know it until they were ready to go free, truly free. So God heard their cry sent a man named Moses to Egypt and says, go and tell Pharaoh, the leader, that I'm bringing out three million plus people out of Egypt 
and we're going to bring them out because they're my people. I've heard their cry. They're coming out, and they're going to go to a place I have prepared for them. That place prepared for them is the land of Canaan or the land of promise or the promised land as we know it. He says, so go tell them to follow you. Those people, those three million plus people heard Moses. Moses made the appeal, and you guys know the story very well. Those children of Israel left Egypt, came into the wilderness. What was going to take 11 days to get from Egypt to the land of promise, because of the murmuring, the complaining, and the unbelief of those generation of people, because those people were so used to being in Egypt, even though they weren't in Egypt anymore, Egypt was still inside of them. It's one thing to be free, and it's one thing to think you're free. The church does a good, we, we talk a really good game. We've learned all the church and ease and the language. We can speak it all. But when push comes to shove and the rubber meets the road, let's just be honest. We either got to put up or we got to shut up. Because somebody else have a better argument than us. You may know what I'm talking about? I'm not the smartest guy around, so there's always going to be somebody smarter than me. So I, either be, I have to either put up the goods, have the fruit, let it speak for itself, or I just need to not say anything at all. The children that in Israel that were in Egypt during that time learned to be programmed under bondage, in slavery. So they learn to maneuver and work in a system that programmed their mind. When they come out of that system that programmed their mind, the problem was that system still was inside of their mind. So in Egypt for 40 years, they're in the wilderness. I'm sorry, they came through Egypt, they come through the wilderness for 40 years, and here they are trying to figure out, how do I live in freedom? Right? See, one of the worst things that happened to me, I was a sinner. Do I, is there anybody in here like that? Like me, was a sinner when you got saved? I was a sinner. I was a good one. I, I knew how to sin. Maybe you all were holier sinners than I was. All right, but I knew how to do it, right? And I knew that if I made the plunge getting saved, because I didn't play, I wasn't going to just play church. I either was going to be in or I was going to be out. Amen. So I knew if I made the plunge and got inside, something... Something's going to change. That means all this other stuff had to go away. Right? I couldn't have it both ways. You can't have one foot in and one foot out like we do today. That was a, just a real quick slam, a jab if y'all didn't feel that going in. But I'm back out now, okay? So what happened is you get, you know, living in or you got to live out. Well, I knew that it was time for me to get in. When I got in, I'll never forget this. I was in. I got radically transformed. I mean, I sold out everything about me. I mean, I didn't mind. I wanted it all. Whatever God had for me, I wanted him to have it all. And I wanted all of him. I wanted him to have all of me. I remember some, some good brethren, deacons in my good fellowship in the Baptist church that we were attending at the time. I remember them coming up to me, good men of God. I'm still friends with them today. And they came up to me and they said, they put their arm around me and they said, you know, this zeal and this passion, it's good. But as you mature, you'll see and realize that, that you have to settle in. You just have to settle in. Well, you know, I was newly saved. And 
I appreciated their statements, but I wasn't ever one of those kind of people that would just keep my mouth shut. I looked back up at him. He was going to be preaching the next Sunday because the pastor was out of town. I looked up, up at him and I said, well, God forbid I ever get saved and become like you. Because if you're my mark, I don't want it. I'm not looking just to add religion to my resume. I'm either going to get in and get an encounter with God and find out all about him and what this thing's all about, or I'm staying out there. Because I could golf on Sunday morning. I didn't have to come to church. And nobody else is calling me up asking me for money. You're either saved or you're not saved. Either in or you're out. There is no none of this back and forth stuff. And when I got in, I got in. The children of Israel come out of Egypt slaves. They come into the wilderness, and now they've got to figure out, how do I live in freedom? How do I live in relationship with the God that I was crying out to? What are you going to do when your husband does get saved? You pray with him for 20 or 30 years, and finally he gets a hold of something that transforms his life, and now your whole world's going to change. Amen. It might be a little easier if you just let him just follow along, because if he gets a hold of something, it could just rock your whole world. What are you going to do when your rebellious son that's a teenager that mouths off and continuously mouths off gets a hold of something that tells you that he wants to go away to Bible school, and you want him to go to Marshall to keep him at home? I'm just telling you, when the Lord gets in the middle of stuff, it gets a little messy. It's just not going to be exactly the way you think it's going to be. It's tough following after the Lord. It is tough. It's not easy being a Christian. But it requires abandoning all the old way of thinking and embracing a brand new way of looking at life. The children of Israel had to, ha had to have that happen. As they came out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness. Moses, there's their voice from God to them. And he says to them, we're going in 11 days. 11 days turned into 40 years because they wanted manna. They were hungry. Moses, being a good pastor, goes to the God and says they're hungry. So God gives them manna every morning. Manna every morning. That means every morning, they that was the first welfare system. That's food... That well, it's sophisticated. It used to be food stamps. Now it's EBT cards. I'm not against those things if people are in that position to have to have that, right? But you got three million plus people coming out of their house every morning going, EBT, manna. I'm not talking about poor people. I'm talking about entitled people. They annoy me. Right? Do you know the guy that shot up that church last week? They have paid his electric bill several times, but one time they didn't pay his electric bill, he shoots it up. That's entitled. Amen. I've learned people like that. Paid a guy's electric bill for six months in a row out of my own pocket one time. Didn't pay it on the seventh month, told everybody around town that I'm the one who caused his life to be turned out. And I said I did. I agreed. But I should have let him turn out five months earlier. Because in that position, that mindset, that entitled mindset bites you. They will turn on you. Steph says it this way. The dog that brings you a bone will be the same one that pulls a bone out of your leg. Right? 
That's the kind of mindset these people who were in Egypt, in Israel. Now, they were God's people. They wanted manna. When they got manna, guess what they needed then? They needed meat. Manna wasn't good enough. You had to give them meat. Because, listen, they weren't creating anything. It was coming to them. They didn't have to put their hand to the plow other than walk out in the morning outside of their house and pick it up. They wanted food. They wanted meat. They got their meat. They got more than meat than they wanted to have. They wanted water. Moses got so mad at him because he had to hit the rock and water come out of the rock. Give him rock. And Moses was such a good pastor that he would go to God and say, God, they're hurting. I want to give them what they need. I want to give them what they need. What was happening in the background was a couple of guys that were born by the names of Joshua and Caleb that were not born in Egypt. They were born in the wilderness. So they didn't have the mindset of slavery and entitlement in them. They were born in the wilderness. They had a different way of looking at things. So while this was all going on, Caleb and Joshua are watching people getting more entitled and more entitled and an entire generation of people looking to Moses to be their source. So much pressure was on Moses to be their source that he kept caving under the pressure. He couldn't, he couldn't handle it. So he would get mad at the people, and then God would say, I'm going to take the people out. And Moses would say, don't take the people out, God. They're your people. And Moses would feel sorry for the people because he loved them. Then he would go back to God trying to do God's will. And Moses finally always found himself in confrontation between one or the other. Till finally, 40 years go by. And then God calls the end of that 40 years. He calls Moses to himself, and he says, listen, you've been wondering for 40 years. I need you to take 12 guys, the 12 guys you're going to take, I need you to pick one from each tribe. I want you to take Joshua from his tribe, Caleb from his tribe, and 10 others, and I want you to send them over to the way of the promised land. They're going to go scout it out, and when they scout it out, they're not coming back to tell us if we should go. They're telling you how you're going to go. Because it's not a matter if you go. It's a matter how you go. See, the biggest challenge we have with, Christ, with, with life today with God and our, getting our prayers answered, we believe God can. Our question is, well, will God? And if God will, how? And I've learned in my walk with the Lord, and maybe you have too, sometimes his how is not like my how. Amen. Because I see it clear, God, there's two dots. I can, cross, I can connect these with this one line, and the Lord says, no, I'm going to take you a different way. And when the Lord takes you a different way, he begins to work some stuff out of you Amen. that you can't have in you when you get to that next dot. Amen. The only way stuff purges out of our mindsets and our thinking is on the journey. Because if manna coming from heaven would have purged it, he'd give us all manna every day. Manna, bread, meat. Water. Do you know in that maintenance lifestyle in 40 years of the wilderness, their shoes never wore out? Their clothes never run down? Not one feeble person in the whole three million plus people? Not one. The Bible says there was not one feeble one among them. Their shoes and their clothes never wore out. I want you to think about this. They had manna from heaven. They had quail, meat, water from an endless rock that supplied them. What more could a person ask for? But yet God said, in that maintenance lifestyle that you're not creating with me, 
is still not the land of promise. Don't settle for the wilderness just because you have your needs met and think it's the promised land. You pray for two pe 10 people, two people get healed, and you think you're in the land of promise. Just because your bills are paid at the end of each month, don't think that's just the promised land. If, if you're not storing up wealth for generations, there's more for you to do. If you're not creating something with you and the Lord together that can be passed on behind you, there's still more for you to do. Don't settle for the lie of being in the wilderness just because everything is okay when God's calling you to go to the land of promise. So the 12 guys come together, two which is Joshua and Caleb. Moses says, go to the land of promise. Figure out what's happening over there. Go on. They go. They look. They see the sons of a guy by the name of Anak. When sons of Anak were there, the, Anak was a giant of the land. Joshua and Caleb saw them. All the other 10 guys saw them. They, look at the, they pick up grapes, clusters of grapes that two men had to carry at one time. It was so, the fruit was so good. They brought back the grapes. They brought back the clusters. They come back with the reports. They saw all the land. They saw the highs. They saw the lows. They saw the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites. They saw all the people that were there. Every one of them were there. They saw all the obstacles. They come back. Twelve guys, two guys on one side and ten guys on the other. Moses says, what did you see? What did you find? Here's the grapes. We can get this thing, man. We can do it. This is big. This is huge. The ten guys spoke up and said, there's Anak there, the sons of Anak, the giants, the Hittites, the Amalekites are there. You know about them. Man, Amalekites just bring fear in everybody, all ten of them. Fear, fear, fear. Joshua, Caleb, comes to their part to tell the story, and here's what happened in verse 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone, has spies as the land and devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw it in are men of great stature. There we saw giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were the grasshoppers in our sight, listen to this, and so we were in their sight. So all the congregation, look, here's the people. The report came back, they're too big. Two people, Joshua and Caleb said, let's go up at once, we can take them. They heard the 10 people tell them all this stuff, and fear entered into that camp. When fear entered into that camp, all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried, made them fearful, and the people wept all night long. Because remember, this was the same people that were used to getting manna from heaven every day. This is the same group of people that had quail because they cried out for quail. The same group of people that their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear down, wasn't a feeble one. They were used to getting what they wanted because they were entitled. The two guys that were not born in that entitlement mindset came out and said, let's go take them on. But the 10 
from that tribe said, we better not do this. They cried all night long. And all the children of Israel complained, and then they turned on Moses, the one that was providing them all that entitlement. Moses paid their electric bill six months in a row, and one month they don't pay it, and look what happens. They turn on him and Aaron. Don't fall into that entitlement mindset. You are called to create. You are called to be empowered to be released. You cannot just be identified and affirmed and sit on all the stuff you've got. What you don't express becomes depressed. That's why it's important when you're in a church, and I know some of you are visiting from other churches this morning, make sure that church or your church, your home church, allows you to be who you're called to be. I make no apologies for saying this. If they don't, you got to go. You will become depressed, repressed, and become critical, and eventually you'll turn on that leadership. You have to be in a position, in a place, where you're able to be what you're called to be. That was the, that's with an exclamation point. I'm serious. We are, it's no time to sit around and, 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 and just mealy mouth and try to make people happy. We don't want to offend this one or offend that one. You need to be offended. Amen. We need to be offended. What you're offended of, we're not free from. Amen. The children have complained against Moses and Aaron. Verse 3. And the whole congregation said to them, if we would only had died in Egypt. They, look, they were so unsettled where they were. They were thinking now, forgot that their shoes had never worn out, forgot that their clothes had not worn out, forgot that they had water, forgot that their kids were doing okay and there wasn't one feeble. They said, Let's, we should have stayed right back there. At least back there, we didn't have to move and worry and think about and, and pray to God. We didn't have to depend on Moses. It was easier for us to depend on Pharaoh. They turned on Moses. Next scripture, please. If only we had died, or if we had only had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and the children should become victims? Verse 4. Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader. We're, We're going back. Now, here's where I want to get to. This story about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt in the the wilderness, and here we are moving to the promised land, is really, even though I'm talking about them, I'm really talking about us. We're in 2020. You see the condition that culture, society, and the world is in. You. You see the condition that your life is in. You know what you're facing. You know the hardships you're facing. Some of you in here this morning, I know that there's somebody in here this morning. I've already talked to her husband. She has stage four cancer. Stage four. She starts chemo tomorrow. She needs a touch from the Lord. Now listen, we know the voice that comes from the enemy is to bring fear. If the report that comes back that says, well, it may not work, It could not work. She can't afford to get a negative report that that creates fear inside of her. She can't afford that. You know why she can't afford that? Because she can't spend the time in her mind wondering what if will happen. Because here's what happens. I promise you. When you start thinking about fear, 
and what you used to have and the way it used to be. And you're not moving forward in the promises of God no matter what your obstacles you're facing now. You will begin to think about death. Fear tries to get you to regress to eventually take you out. That's why the Bible in the New Testament says it this way. James says, he didn't give you the spirit of fear. He gave you the spirit of power, love, and of sound mind. Listen, it's in that order. Power, love, sound mind. Yes, facing stage four cancer. That's a reality. That's a report. Now, she has a choice to make, and I'm going to agree in prayer with her that she's going to be, even though she goes through the chemo, it goes through the process, she's going to go through that process in faith, knowing that God has his hand upon her. Are you hearing me? And the land of promise is still awaiting her. There are people in here this morning that have gone through, had experienced some deaths in their family in the last year, two years, three years. And it's almost hard to even get your head above on the pillow at night because it's just so overwhelming at times. You know who I'm talking to. It's just so much, just so heavy. It is. And there's a process of grief that you have to go through. It's necessary, it's normal. It's a part of life, it's a part of emotions, it's a part of the spirit, it's part of working through. But I've got news for you. As bad as that is and as hard as it is to go through and as devastating a moment that you've had to experience and are experiencing, somehow I want to get enough faith inside of you that you can experience joy again. You can experience life and that life more abundantly. It will not be the same. It'll be different, but you can still feel it. Your life doesn't stop at a moment of tragedy. It pauses, and then it's time for somebody in your life to encourage you to come through and keep moving and keep moving and keep moving, not settling in to the way it was, not tucking you in the bed at night in the state of depression. Get up on, I see you. My goodness, you are a perfect testimony of that, a perfect testimony Lost her husband a little over a year ago. Just was promoted on the job. Had a big promotion. Became the the CEO of the company. And then within months, just a couple of months, passed away. Unexpected. Devastating. Now, we can't minimize the pain. We don't say, oh, get up and go. No. We let the Spirit of God begin to move. You take the process of time. But somebody's got to encourage her and say, listen, there's better days coming. It may not be what it was, but you can have hope. You can experience joy again. You can experience a life that, never, that you've never had before. It'll be different, but it can be there. Am I telling anybody the truth? Or, 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 or we stop right here in the middle of the wilderness, right here, and say, Let's camp here for the rest. And the only thing that happens in this place is years get stolen off your life. Yes. 
See, it's in the wilderness here. You have a choice to see one or two things. Enoch, the giants in the land, all of those Amalekites, all of the Hittites, the Jebus, all of those enemies were real. They're real. They're sitting in occupying territory that God has promised for you. That big one, that Anak, is a giant. Amalekite is, a, is another name for fear. And fear tries to settle in. If you're going to possess the land of promise in your life, you're going to have to face the fear. You can stay over here in the wilderness and look at fear, but you'll never conquer fear unless you take fear head on. I can say it this way. You can sit around for two or three weeks knowing you need to make that phone call to whoever or whatever. You can think about it. You can hypothetically think about what it might sound like. You can walk it out, talk it out in your head. You can run it down, walk it back. You can get counsel and talk to everybody around you. You can get agreement or disagreement. This person will affirm what you're thinking. That person won't. But fear still sits on that other line. And what you're going to find when you pick up that phone and make that call, or pick up the phone and make the call, and you take that thing on, whatever that is, that fear will crumble right in your very eyes. I don't even know where this is going, but I know where I'm going. I got a bunch more to talk about fear, but I, I got more. I hear the Lord just speaking to me right now, so I'm just going to say what I'm feeling here. Some of you are afraid to go to the doctor. You're feeling something in your body is talking to you, but you're afraid to go to the doctor because you're afraid of what that doctor's report might say. And you not knowing doesn't make it go away. Anak and Amalekites are standing in your way. Yeah. Make your appointment. Go to the doctor. Amen. Some of you, somebody in here is scared to death to discipline their son, their teenage son, because you're afraid he's going to run to your ex-husband or ex-wife. And going to flip and go over that direction. So you, you walk on eggshells around them because you're afraid to discipline in fear of what it might look like when he goes and uses the strategy to leave. Or you're afraid they're going to turn him over. But it really is just the guilt and the fear that you feel inside of you because you're afraid you've made some bad decisions and you feel guilt from those decisions, so you're giving him a pass because you feel that fear and that guilt. I'm here to tell you today, take the Amalekite on. Amen. If the kid needs discipline, yes. discipline him. Yes. Amen. But what if he le either create an entitled person in the wilderness or go to the promised land and take on the Amalekites?
Some of you have been called to pray for people. You feel it in your heart. You know it in your heart. But you have reservations when the Lord speaks to you and the Spirit of God speaks to you to pray for somebody. So it's easier for you to pull away, go back in your prayer closet and pray because you don't want them to think bad of you. You feel awkward. It's just not your personality. And I'm telling you, you can do that in the wilderness or you can take on the Amalekites and go knock them down. Timidity is in the wilderness. Boldness is in the land of promise. Fear and retreat, fear will cause you to retreat in the wilderness. But when you take fear on in the, wilder, in the, in the promised land, it's going to take courage and boldness. Tenacity. We're in 2020. It's an election year, local, state, and federal. The world has gone completely upside down. Amen. You've got Iran storming the embassy. Y'all need to know this. I'm sure you already do. You've got somebody, Trump took out a, you know, a, a leader um, from Iran. Hostility is in the atmosphere, right? Now, elections are going to go crazy. Polls are going to go up and down. Cable news networks are going to go off the wall, Right? And here is the worst thing that could happen to the body of Christ. We're so tuned into it, we let 2020 go by without you ever advancing your, in your territory. Don't think 2021 is going to be a better time for you to start your business because it's just too tumultuous right now. You, you, you do what you got to do. You, you need to be more aggressive. And I'm not talking about going on social media and getting caught up in all of the, 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 the fire, firing and it goes on and all that mess, right? Because right. it doesn't take, see, you can be in the wilderness and throw shots at the promised land. But when David took on Goliath, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, picked up that stone and ran towards him. Yes. You got to go, you're going to have to be more aggressive this year in this decade than you've ever been in your life. Yes. And if your personality is to be more laid back, you, we're, going to take on, we're going to take on fear this week and next week. We're going to take on procrastination the week after that. So if those of you that are procrastinators, I'm giving you a fair warning. Three weeks. <laughs> you got to be here. All right. Set your clock, clutch your alarm, and push everybody out of the way. Amen. And if you tell me who you are in advance, I'll call you and invite you again. We got to have you here on those times. Why? Because the world is going to continue to be what it is unless we turn to shape it. They had the big evangel evangelical, I got invited to this, I didn't go. Trump had the big thing down in Miami with all the evangelicals. And I'm not interested in photoshops and optics and I'm not interested in all that stuff. Me, 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 you want to tell you what gets me going? What gets me going, that all of our business owners inside of here create jobs and economy in this region. What gets me excited here is the people that have stage four cancer have a testimony on the, they, they were healed and touched and God touched them and they got 20 more years to live with their, 30 more years or 40 more years to live with their grandkids, yeah. right? That's what touches me, right? I'm, I'm not interested in all the fanfare of all that stuff that's shooting. That, I'm not interested, I'm, I'm interested in what's inside of you gets identified and comes out and you begin to operate and function in it in your everyday life. Yeah. Amen. That you're not afraid to pray for people. 
You get a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy. You've, something happens inside of you, and you become that voice of God in that situation and sphere of influence. My daughter works at St. Mary's. She's a, a nurse there, and um, she's talking about all the unions are forming and all that. And I said, well, how many Bible studies and small groups are being formed there? I don't care if they form a union. That's them. Yeah. What are you doing? Amen. Do you have, are you praying for people on your unit? Are you walking in and turning something upside down for the kingdom? Or do we get caught up? Here's what I'm, I'm really wanting to push on us today. Are we getting caught up in the reports that come back from the news, the, 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 the politics, all the, all the stuff that's happening even in our city since New Year's Eve? Are we getting caught up in all of that stuff? And we become analysts and commentators, and we become experts in our opinion, and we never advance in our own life? No. We've got to move forward, guys. You've got to move forward, and you've got to put fear on notice. And you don't have to look very far for the things that are taunting you. Amen. They come and taunt. We can't be the 10 spies that come back to the church week after week and to our families and to our homes and come back and say, hey, guys, it's looking bad out there. It looks like it's bad. Stock market was up this week, down the next. Now, does it really matter unless you've got stuff in it? Some of you have been so disappointed over the last couple, three years. I just heard the Lord say that you've been so disappointed the last two or three years in your life that you're expecting more disappointment. You're afraid of failing. And I'm telling you, get more aggressive than you've ever been. Amen. What if I get denied five or six times from uh, this job that I'm looking for? Then try seven. No time to be afraid. Let me tell you the difference between the two fears I'm talking about, the fear I'm talking about. The, the land of promise is a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a land where peace, joy, life and life more abundantly, it's, it's the fulfillment of God's promises in your life. We've been told that's heaven, and I'm sure one day it will be. But Jesus didn't just come to die to take you to heaven. He came to die to give you life and life more abundantly here. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm not saying it's always going to be perfect. There's always going to be Anix. There's always going to be Amalekites. There's always going to be Jebusites. But guess what? Greater is he that's here than any of those that could come against you. So we've got to get a, a regroup. We've got to start this year recognizing that 2020 is a time to get more aggressive than you've ever been. This is not a time to be timid. Channel your energies towards the things that give you a good report. And the good report is, I'm looking for some spirits of Joshua and Caleb in this house today that come back and say, you can, you will, you're able, we can do this, we can change that, it can get better, you can be healed, that marriage can be saved. That child can turn from rebellion into sainthood. That kid can go to college. That kid can start a business. That kid, and all of a sudden, you begin to start believing the very thing of the report of the Lord. Instead of getting caught up in all the negativity and all the things that can't work and all of that. No, we're not going to be subject to what they tell us. We're going to create what's in here with him 
to create the landscape that we walk on. So that means you're going to have to move some stuff out of your life that brings no fruit to it and engage in things where you need to be advancing. Are we okay? That's where we're living. And Jesus depicted it this way. He looked at his disciples. His disciples were healing people, but the place was gone nuts. There were people rebelling against him. They were revolting against him. They were trying to kill him and stone him. They looked at Jesus, and he looked at them, and he finally pulled his disciples together, and he says, guys, will I find faith when I return? What's he saying? He's not saying, will I find religion while I turn? Will I find a bunch of people that just stand up boldly and pronounce my name and proclaim my name? He's like, oh, no, no, no. Am I going to find some action in the earth that advances my agenda? I've demonstrated my agenda for three and a half years to you. It should be really clear, he says. If I did it, it's God's will. If I did it, it's God's will. If I said it, it's God's will. Because me and my father are one. So if you see me do it, you heard me do it, I want you to do it. And I need you to advance my agenda across this world. That's our call today. We're going to knock down some fears. And the Lord is faithful. He's good. He said, which report are you going to believe? Isaiah said it this way. Whose report are you going to believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. See, Joshua and Caleb were out of a different spirit. And I'm believing that you're of a different spirit here today. I believe God's raising up a generation of people, of pioneers and trailblazers that don't just have to, they don't just follow. They're cutting edge and they lead. They're not afraid to hit on new ground. Look, I'm talking to all of us today. None of us are exempt from this. I don't know what you're dealing with or facing in your life or what your, what your fears are, what, what, what that is. But I'm praying today that something on the inside of you leaped and jumped when you started listening to the voice of the Spirit because he's been here today. I've heard him and felt him. He's pulling on individuals here today. There's more for you that he has than you've experienced up to this point. No more waiting on it to happen. It's time to get aggressive. No more timidity. No more excuses. It's time to get aggressive. What's that aggressive look like? Well, the first thing is make up your mind you're willing to get aggressive. Amen. If you don't do anything else, just make up in your mind you're going to get aggressive. God will show you that first step. Yeah. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? 
I'm gonna ask this question to everybody here today. If you are, I'm not gonna have anybody come forward, I'm just gonna pray up from here. But if you are one of the people that I spoke to today and you know that God is moving you in your life and there are obstacles there, there, there are things that have kept you from going into that land of promise and fear is a big blocker. No one's looking around, I just want you to raise your hand and let me say, yeah, that's me. That's just about everybody. So that tells me that we're gonna to need to take that fear on. And fear can't be shadow boxed. Sheer ha fear has to be taken head to head. You displace fear by moving forward. Would you all stand with me? I'm gonna pray this prayer over all of us. And then next week we're gonna keep going because we got somewhere to go by the end of this month. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the power of your presence and I thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you for grace, I thank you for mercy, I thank you for Jesus the Christ that sits upon the throne. Lord, you have given your church clear advance notice, a compelling call and clarion call to advance your agenda across this earth. We look at our families, we look at our lives, we look at our city, we look at our region, we look at our state, we look at the condition of the world. And it's so easy to get caught up in all the ancillary things of life. But today, God, we refocus. And we're going to advance your agenda. Life and life more abundantly. Joy and unspeakable, that's full of glory. We're gonna advance your journey into our life. We thank you, Father. We bless you. Now, as my brothers and sisters walk out of this place today, let them know that you're with them every step of the way. Give them confidence, give them courage, give them boldness. Give them something, Lord, that their hearts desire. And then you give them a sign of victory that belongs to them. We're destined for the promised land. No more wilderness, no more journeying for 40 years, no more stealing years off our life, no more wasting time. We're moving forward because generations beyond us are waiting for us to conquer the fear of Amalek, the, uh, the Goliaths and the Anix in our life. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. See y'all next week.